1985 wasn't a time where you had Facebook and Google and all of that. So people were not thinking, if I go to Silicon Valley, I can really make a killing, right? They weren't thinking that way. It was, you go to Silicon Valley and there were like 20,000 companies. And you go, Mm -hmm. well, if I get laid off from one, there'll still be a job in another. That was my entire thinking as a 21-year-old was safety. I said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go somewhere where it's going to grow. It's going to be safe. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're bringing the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today in the podcast is Kevin Serace. Kevin is a Silicon Valley innovator, serial entrepreneur, CEO, TV personality, and edutainer. He was Inc.'s Magazine Entrepreneur of the Year and a CNBC Top Innovator of the Decade and holds 94 worldwide patents. Jeez, we're going to go through each and every one of them on this episode. No, we're not. We're definitely not. And he's led pioneering work on the first cellular data smartphone, so he's responsible for all the selfies. Uh, Air Communicator, the first plastic multi-chip semiconductor packages, the first human-like AI virtual assistant, which I want to get into because this is interesting, Portico. Soundproof drywall, window energy retrofits for the Empire State Building and Stock Exchange. Wow, jeez. So much to talk about. And he's also an accomplished music director, conductor, Broadway and streaming producer and percussionist. This man bangs a drum. So we'll get to it. Clearly, Kevin is a busy man with a lot on his plate. So let's get to it. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. <laughs> awesome. I, I love it. And Kevin's up in, in Rochester and we were shooting the yeah. ship before we got on. I went to school up in Sudie Buffalo. So talking about our, our love and hate of the weather up there and, <laughs> and for all things greasy food. Uh, Kevin, welcome. I am happy to be here. I'm not having a garbage plate today, which is a famous dish in Rochester. It's it's been around for like 50 years where they just throw stuff on and it's the garbage. <laughs> it's it's literally like it, it keep me straight here. It's it's a, it's an amalgamation. It, I think the core of it is is two cheeseburger patties with hash browns, onions, french fries, hot sauce, white sauce, barbecue sauce, um macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes. Everybody oh. makes it a little bit differently. It's piled up just a it's, bunch of garbage and people love it. It's, it's for the, late night, late night. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Especially when you're in school and you haven't oh, eaten yeah. all day and you're starving and you can't gain any weight because you're only 18 or something, <laughs> yeah. right? So we, when we were today, not, <laughs> I eat a garbage plate. It'll be with me for the next three years. Oh, in, in many, in many different ways. But we digress <laughs> here. So let's let's hit the rewind button here. And, you know, I did a nice little intro um, before we got into it. But what folks do not know is... I mean, before you got into the entrepreneurship angle and the tech and all that, Kevin wanted to be an actor. What what inspired you back in the day to to be an actor? Like, that, what were the, was it? Was it, was it those actors and actresses on TV? Where, where, where'd you get the bug from? Well, you know, um, I really wanted to be on stage, and I liked. I love musicals. I still love musicals. I'm still active in 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 musicals, and I loved acting, and I loved uh, doing musical stuff. And of course, when you're a kid, you really really young, you don't get to quite do that yet, and so. You put on shows in those days, this is the 60s, right? You'd put on a little show and build a little stage and put it on when people would come over the house. And, you know, I'd come down and entertain the guests with a song or two or some routine, some comedy routine or something, right? And sort of got the bug for that. Was it, was it like Broadway, vaudeville? What was, it, what was your shtick? Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm not old enough to have done vaudeville when it was actually on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Broadway and, um, you know, Broadway and other plays and things like that. I mean, a lot of fun. And then eventually I got to be in uh, some shows when I was younger, including uh, Camelot. I think it was my okay. first show. I was very young. It was in sixth grade. I was Merlin, of all people. Um, didn't get to sing, but actually I did get to sing because Merlin kind of dies off very early in the show. So then you're in the ensemble. You get to sing the rest of the show. And what about what about the other side, we, the, the, the tech side? Were you a tinker? Did you used to tinker with stuff? Well, yeah, a, a, absolutely. I could repair anything. So <clears throat> my dad worked for GE uh, Audio Electronics. And that was, at the time, the number one brand of, you know, portable stereos and mm -hmm. clock radios and radios and things like that, or tape recorders. And, um, and, and so uh, he would bring these things home that I could play with and learn from and then take them back and things would rotate through. And eventually, I really read a lot of books on electronics. I was very young and I was repairing everybody's radios and TVs for them when I was a kid. And um, I don't think anyone does that anymore. They play video games. But before right. there were video games, we actually repaired things like cars. And so you get to know how a car works, how a radio works, how a TV works. Don't touch the anode. You'll get electrocuted. I mean, you learn these things. You right? learn the hard way, right? <laughs> you learn the hard way. And, and uh, that was actually good learning. So I loved electronics and I loved acting. And my, my dad smartly said, um, you can do all the acting and you can do all. I'm a, a drummer, too. You can, you can play all you want. Um, but you're going to go to school <laughs> and become an engineer. Uh, and if you want to do that other stuff on the side, that's up to you. So I, I got to take a quick little left turn here because I'm, I'm a music guy. Um, when it comes to drumming, who are, and I'm not going to ask for your top three drummers of all time, which I might actually, but from an from a influence perspective, who inspired you on the drums? Well, so I went to kind of a music high school and we had amazing amazing musicians come out of that high school. One of them runs all of percussion at Eastman School of Music today, Michael Burrett. Uh, another one is one of the top uh, drummers on, on uh, Broadway, so uh, Rich Mercurio. So, so I had just amazing people around me. I had amazing instructors. Uh, and, you know, you sort of went to that high school knowing that you were going to play in concert band, play in orchestra, and play in marching band. We had, in my senior year, the national championship marching band. So wow. this was a very high bar. Well, right? we're, very high we're, bar. This, is, this is serious. It was serious. It was right. serious. It was, it, it was actually a little bit like the Army. Like you went and this was serious stuff, right, in those days. And frankly, you could be a lot harder on the kids in those days. You wouldn't do that today. But, you know, we were out and it was 10 below zero and we still had three <laughs> hours of rehearsal and too bad. Sorry, it's cold. <laughs> right? those drums. Tough, tough, tough. So, uh, uh, you know, really, really enjoyed that and actually learned a lot about teamwork. This is a sort of interesting mm. marching band. Right. You know, you really learn about teamwork and 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 your score in those days would certainly be driven downward mm. by the weakest link in the chain. So some flute player is off a little bit in some way, not just musician. I shouldn't pick on the flutes, right? But whoever. Yeah, why do you get to pick on the windage? Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll pick on something else. Yeah. So clarinet. Either way, you know, uh, we used to get something called a tick, a T-I-C. And a tick was uh, um, uh, if someone made some little error and the, the judges were right on the field. And, the, and so you could lose by, you know, eight ticks, three Jeez. ticks. And, and so you were everybody yeah. felt tremendous pressure to do a great job. And by the way, I think many sports are like this, right? Obviously. And plus you're out there in the freezing cold. So you have the, you have the, the weather factor. Cold. So there is an athletic element to it, like a football <clears throat> player. This is an outdoor music event. There's a whole other yes, outdoor involved. music event. Outdoor right. music event. So 
Love that. But, but I would say, you know, when you look back, did I learn a lot about teamwork? Did I learn a lot about leadership? Did I learn a lot about followership? Uh, did I learn a lot about winning? All the above. Oh, by the way, in those days, there was none of this. Oh, you get a trophy for just participating. Oh. No, no, no. You didn't get a trophy for participating. I, you got a trophy for winning. Yeah. And if you didn't win, you know, you got a lot of experience, but next year you'd stand up and try to win again. That's what you do. Yeah, let, you know, let, let, let's kind of riff on that for a second here because there, there's definitely two sides of it, right? Like my daughter's in competitive dance and early oh, on right. when they were getting, they were getting like fourth, they're getting like fourth place. I'm like, no, 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 no. I go, I go, you're winning or you're not. That's really it. And second place, like good effort. You guys are crushing it, but this is competition. And she learned it early on. And one of the things that I, I kind of picked up on, and I believe in this is like, if you lose and you're crying, that means you care. That means you care that you lost. And I, and I really do believe in that. I don't believe in participation trophies. And so much, in fact, that my son, my five-year-old, we've had him in jujitsu for the last year. And the fact that he's earning those stripes and he has that motivation behind them, I love it. And, and, and they're learning. And you know what? Kids need to learn how to lose, how to lose gracefully and how to feel that passion when they don't win and inspire them in the right way and encourage them. Well, here's the thing. The truth is, if you go all the way through school and you got lots of pats on the back and trophies for participating and all of that, and then you go into the workplace mm -hmm. and you actually find out that companies <laughs> win and lose, employees win and lose, teams win and lose, and you don't want to be on the losing end of any of those things, right? So if you haven't learned that, and we do see a lot of kids showing up and they go, well, what do you mean we're not winning in the marketplace or we're not, mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't understand what it is, right? Yeah. And so that drive to be successful, that drive for success is actually important right. and is required in the workplace as it turns out. Um, you know, you're running, you're, <laughs> you, you've got a podcast because this is helping in you winning, whatever winning means, to you, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't but, have been driven to do anything. Why but do, do you anything? think? But do you think you think like this generation out here is too soft, right? Like, it's, where, where do we fail them, and how do we get the next generation to be stronger as far as you know, like the, the drive? I mean, I see it, both it, sides of it as a recruiter. You know, right. I see deeply, deeply inspired and motivated. And then I do see, I hate to say it, I see a lot of entitled kids that are coming a year out of school from mediocre or best colleges looking for top salaries because they think they deserve them. Right. I'm like, you haven't spent one minute in the workplace. Yeah, uh, here's what I would proof. say is the difference. You don't want to be stereotypical about an entire uh, Correct. demographic. Be careful. Right? So you don't want to be careful with that for all of us. <clears throat> but what I would say is this. When I came into the workforce, and that was in the 80s, um, we, we felt lucky to have a job. We felt lucky. If they needed us to work 60 or 70 hours a week, we felt wanted. You paid, paid your dues also. You There's paid an element your dues. You your dues. And I didn't, I, you know, I didn't come into the workforce at 21 or whatever it was. Actually, I had worked in retail before that, in audio electronics, actually, in electronics. Um, I, I, I didn't come in saying, when am I going to be a vice president? Like, I knew that the people who were VPs were probably in their 50s, mm -hmm. right? Maybe their 60s. I don't know. They were a lot older than I was, right? <clears throat> so I didn't come in with that expectation. I just came in and said, I'm going to blow this job away with what their expectations are. I'm going to blow their expectations away, right? That's what I'm going to do. And, um, and I'm curious about how to do that. And I'm curious about how to, uh, you know, when I need to do that. And I need to ask my boss how I, how I blow them away. And so I wanted every week, every month, whatever it was, to sit down with whoever my boss was at the time and them look at me and go, how did you get all this done? What, what, what is going on here? What kind of person is this, right? That's kind of the feedback you want. You don't want the feedback that says, well, here's the eight things you have to improve mm -hmm. on. Well, what am I doing well? Well, it's nice that you 
show up only an hour late. You know, that's not, no. I mean, and so I Thanks for checking your email that. over the weekend, right? I appreciate it. I couldn't stand that feedback. So that's me. Yeah. I'm driven. And, and, and so today, even when I'm hiring at my companies, we certainly see some percentage of kids coming in that feel, that literally say in the interview, well, when do you think I'll be a VP? I don't know when you perform incredibly well and you're here for 30 years. I don't know. Pick your poison. But probably you shouldn't even ask the question. What kind of question is that? How about, how, you know, how long do you think I'll be employed here? <laughs> well, like, but, you could, but you could but you could reframe that question. Like if you're if you're if you're a young fellow, listen, my goal is to be X, Y, Z in this company. I, sure. I, I love what you're building. What does that career path look like? That's fine. Like if you, what does like the if career you, path look like? Right. If you reframe it versus versus your expectations. So right. let, let's flip it back here. And I want to talk about expectations. I want to talk from a kid growing up, uh, you know, in, in Western New York, going all the way across the country over to Silicon Valley. That had to be a, a culture shock to you. Tell, tell, us, yeah. tell us what that was like. I'd great, love to hear great more. Great question. I went to Silicon Valley in 1985. Nobody was going. We, we need some like we need some like like I, I feel like I need my my music needs to be like 1985. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, more so, than a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more than a feeling. Yeah, I only have one track here. I mean, I have sound effects, but like, you only have yeah, one track. Is. No matter what anyone does, you play the same track. I'm, I'm I a love one. That. I'm, I'm a one track. I'm a one track pony, but I, I could program it's more. Here. I haven't done that yet. Anyway, let's. I digress. So, 1985. I mean, 1985. Is, we're talking. Yeah, the only the only cell phones. I'm just giving it like we're, we're like military and like these giant like like you know tech there. So you go out to Silicon Valley. We're talking. You know, Northern Cali in the mid '80s. Like That's right. Culture shock. Uh, uh, culture de definitely different than upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, coming from, say, the Syracuse area, which is where I was, uh, I was the only one who went out there. That was it. Was considered ridiculous. It's like, what are you doing? Why? I don't understand it. But here was my logic. Right. <clears throat> I had interviewed all around the country. I actually had um, twelve job offers. Had 12 job offers. A lot of 85 was sort of a down year. So a lot of my classmates had one or zero. Mm. <clears throat> but I just said, look, this is a funnel problem. So what I'm going to do is put a lot mm. in the top of the funnel. I'm going to go interview everywhere. I've got five years of work experience already through college because I was, I was working in the electronic space. And so I got 12 job offers. And some were in Silicon Valley. Here is my logic. It's the funniest thing. I said, you know, when I look at this electronics industry, we called it at the time, it wasn't really tech. It's like, there seem to be layoffs every few years, like companies mm -hmm. build up and then there's a downturn and, and this could be in military electronics, consumer electronics, Sounds familiar. software, whatever, right? I mean, we just see this cycle. And so I said, I better go somewhere where there's more than one company. So you go to Silicon Valley and there were like 20,000 companies and you go, mm -hmm. well, if I get laid off from one, there'll still be a job in another. That was my entire thinking as a you know, 21 year old was safety. I said, mm -hmm. I'm going to go somewhere where it's going to grow. It's going to be safe. Now, 1985 wasn't a time where you had Facebook and Google and all of that. So people were not thinking, if I go to Silicon Valley, right. I can really make a killing, right? They weren't thinking that way. It was semiconductor companies, systems companies, you know, software in the way that we think about it today wasn't really there. There was no web. Uh, there was no internet. There were no mobile devices. Well, no, no, that, no, know, no consumer web. No consumer, no consumer web. web. That's, right. that's right. Actually, no web because there wasn't HTML yet. Uh, there was an internet where you could move Correct. information across. Mostly, it was DARPAnet, and it was between, uh, and then ARPANET, and that was between uh, mostly universities and a, a few commercial establishments. So, you know, there were 28 nodes on it or something like that. Nobody knew what it was, right? Like, 
if, if you think back to that time versus where we are now, and, and if you think about the acceleration of technology, how what, what's it double, triple every year and everything like, could you even think of now? Because this is similar, like 1980, like if 1985, you had no idea what 2024 would look like. But 10 years from now, is it even fathomable to think like how fast and, and microcomputing and and incorporating AI, like we're in the infancy of this shit. Right. Well, that's a great question. So I, I speak around the world on art, artificial intelligence. I'm a keynote speaker, and and so that's my plug. I'm a keynote speaker. You can find me. We're, we're going to get into AI. We're going to get into this. So let's get into it now. That's the thing. Let's get into it now. <clears throat> so if we were predicting in 85, we had a certain curve, right? And that curve was slow but up to the right. And then internet came, and then it went faster. Because all of a sudden, you could podcast if you want, to a billion people. Yes. And before that, Information you're going to have to have a really mm-hmm. big radio station or something, right? Or you have to be on a network. Yeah. Right? You couldn't do it. Shortwave. So, so well, that's right. The cost of entry was high and required a 500,000-watt transmitter. And now, you know, you can be in the podcast, podcast business for a few thousand dollars or less, yeah. right? Not a lot. And, not even. And, not even. And, 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 and this is fascinating. And so the internet changed the way we can get out to millions or billions of people. And then mobile came. And that changed it again, right? And so these were big step functions. And now AI. And AI is a step function in the way we interact because we finally have a language technology. We've had math technology. That's Excel and calculators and other things. Now we have language. And that means anyone can make a computer do anything, if if you wish simply by speaking in their own language. Mm-hmm. Now, by the way, up until that time, we could, and I did, you know, if we talk about virtual assistants back even in the late 90s, we could code virtual assistants to be almost human-like. Command prompt-based. Right? Yes. Well, yes, but you were speaking to her, and actually it was speech. So you'd speak to Mary at the time, Portico, and she would speak back, and you would swear that she was very human, and she'd have... Many, many, many responses based on, uh, you know, a whole set of rules. Uh, and people would say it was AI. It, 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 sure, whatever. It's, it's in the eyes of the beholder, right? But the point is, is it took programmers to do that. Today, I can now speak to something in English and it speaks back to me in English, whether I hear it in my ears mm-hmm. or I see it on the screen. This is freaky for people, right? This is really, and, and you can ask anything, like anything. The programmer didn't program it, it'll still answer. Well, it's machine. So, it's machine learning. I think it is right, and I think that's the thing that throws people off. But why? I mean, people are acting like, "Oh my God, this is brand new," but it's been around. It's been around for oh, so long. Is it, is it more just because of consumer application of it? Hey, everybody! I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love, and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Let's talk about the rise of ChatGPT and the the misunderstanding in my mind of, of people. It's not replacing Google. It's different. No. The inputs it's are different. different. The, the way it gets its information, the way it processes is different. The source of it, and I always tell people, do not. I mean, we saw it early on about a year and a half ago that that story of the attorney who found the case yeah. study for his and presented it in court. And the defense is like, 
this is a fake story. You've relied on ChatGPT and it gave you bullshit, right? It gave <clears> you an example. Well, ChatGPT did what it was programmed to do, which is create sentences. Correct. And under any circumstances, it must create a perfect sentence. It isn't supposed to create perfect facts. It actually doesn't know fact from fiction, <clears throat> but it will deliver a sentence to you. And so uh, people are enamored by ChatGPT because for them, it's the first time they've been able to interact with AI and machine learning really directly in a direct way in their own language. But we've been working on language models literally since the 1940s and 1950s. This has been a 70 plus year trek and it's gotten better and better and better. And now we have the compute horsepower to spend billions of dollars to train a model, literally billions to train a model that is almost indistinguishable from me talking to you. Mm -hmm. It's fa fascinating. And either of us could be wrong on our facts too, right? right. So and, very and, human life. And there, there's so many, ele here, here are the elements that have really caught my attention. One are the, are the, the deep, and we'll dig into these in a little bit, deep fakes when it comes to sure. uh, politics, pornography, uh, anything right. that you could do to change someone's appearance and literally put words in their mouth. And the technology is incredible. There is, I, I saw it on my Instagram feed that there's a, a um, that a company created a, a very attractive female and this female is now generating $10,000 a month on ad revenue because That's right. it's a thirst trap, right? And like, she looks real. They, they, they figured out the algorithm of what is appealing to a certain demographic of, of men and women that want to engage. Turns out that part is right? pretty easy. Right? Yeah. Like using, you know, even mid journey and some of the other ones like that's, that's interesting right. to me. The political side is, is the scariest part to me now, the way it's changing the narrative and, and creating different, um, uh, you know, false perspectives for, for, for malicious reasons. What, what are your so thoughts look, on from the, from, from that perspective? Let's go back in time a little Please? bit. If this was 20 years ago, and we saw uh, a former president, pick one, right, <clears throat> saying some things in a movie. We know they never said them. We wouldn't be surprised. We'd go, oh, it's CGI. Hollywood's been able to do this. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, Hollywood has been able to point. make your lips move <clears throat> and even put you in poses and put you in places you weren't um, with even dead people, right, for at least 20 years, maybe more, maybe 30. The difference is we trusted Hollywood to one only do it with sort of you know you watch value a movie and you're in the That's context right. of a movie right and two <clears throat> it costs millions of dollars to do <clears throat> so bad actors weren't going to go do that right what we have done is democratized access to that kind of cgi so much so that i can take my voice and clone it in one minute and put it into pretty much anyone else's face including yours and you could be speaking my voice mm -hmm. with your lips moving I need very little of you. Yes, I do it all the time, actually. Pretty easy to do. So I do it for my keynotes so that I can show here's where the state of the art of technology is, and it costs me $0 to do it. Now, that's the difference. When it costs $10 million to do it, of course, a movie the would do it. barrier to entry was much greater back then, and it, you need and to have that. And now it costs zero. So you could, you could, I, I can put any words in any politician's mouth including, um, you know, Joe Biden, um, oh, Donald are, Trump. Some of them are kind of funny. Hunter Biden, anyone else, right? Doesn't matter. From an, and, from an entertainment perspective, some of them are funny, but then there's a scary part too, where the folks that take it as gospel, they take it as truth, and that's well, where things get dark. Quickly. Well, we, we have a lot of people in this country right. taking things as truths that are not curious enough about the truth to go seek it. Correct. And, that, and that's, a, that's but, a whole other fundamental problem, right? But even in these days, like where, where, where is the source of, what is the source of truth? Like what, like well, that's not video, not video on the web, not audio. Okay. Not text. However, let, let me also go back in time for 20 years. 
we have seen Photoshop fakes mm-hmm. on the web and everywhere else. And and you didn't know if it was real or fake, but you began to suspect that something might not be real if they were doing something that was really out of character. But but any of us, I'm a Photoshop person, for the last 20 years, maybe 25, could have easily created a, a situation where our president is in a compromising position, mm-hmm. <clears throat> including naked somewhere, you know, right. doing pornography, whatever. Easy, like on Photoshop. So we've actually learned to accept that, and we've learned to accept the fact that not all pictures are real. They're probably, you know, the, and, and so much so that we call it Photoshopped. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one was Photoshopped. Yeah, we we we've, called the, it what it was, right? <laughs> the technology it what it was. So now we're right. scared because there's video. So this is kind of the video Photoshop, if you mm-hmm. will. And it doesn't need hardly any training to do it. You could just go on, pay a few dollars, and, and, and get these deep fakes out. Now, as you noted, uh, pornography, I think, has had deep fakes for a decade or so. Yeah. This isn't, Sorry, this isn't it's, it, it always starts there. It always Everything. starts. And, um, and so we've had deep fakes. And now, and now we've got just bad actors using these deep fakes to put uh, presidential candidates in, and, uh, you know, in, into hot water. So we're not going to be able to trust any of this stuff. That's the, that's the bottom line. So we're not able to trust it. So the, the question is, like, have we lost the ability to trust in a source of, a source of well, truth these I don't days? Know. Hold it. Do we really trust everything we, we read on the web? No. No, we haven't. Do we trust? Do we, that's right. Have we trusted every picture we've seen on the web for 20 years? No, because they were Photoshopped. We didn't trust them. Some people do, but they're not curious enough to say, is this real? Is it Photoshopped? <clears throat> and now all we're doing is extending this one step further to video. Because we've always said, well, we really trust it if it's video. Well, yeah, like we now saw you it. can't. It's video. It's an own, now you can't even trust it at all. Now so. you can't trust video, which means you really can't trust anything um, you know, without going back to the source and having them say that was me or it wasn't me. In the end, in the end, a presidential candidate needs to say, yes, that was me or it wasn't me. And then you have to take it at face value. Then you have to see if you actually trust that person. So, so somehow it's always coming right. back to human gut, you know, that gut, gut instinct. And unfortunately these days, I think a lot of us have lost that due to the dilution of, of the negative effects of social media. So I spent, and again, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Um, over Thanksgiving, um, everyone's cooking around the house. The kids are busy. And I literally was like, I'm just going to sit on the couch and doom scroll TikTok. And it was a huge mistake. And I haven't done it. I need to see how, such a digression of human behavior and this quest for insta famous and vanity and it really it it hurt it hurt it it just felt bad to me it felt gross it felt yucky icky and my daughter she's 11 years old and she's on tiktok but she's doing these dances and it's very innocent and like she's a competitive dance and she's doing choreography and all that but then i see these these, it's just over sexualization and and it's just Mm -hmm. And and technology is making it worse. But you have this like kind of a positive outlook. What, what, what's what's your take on social media and the future of it? Well, look, uh, social media is both good and bad. Social media would clear itself up if it weren't ad based. Like if you had to pay, everything gets cleaned up because now you right. don't have the algorithms that are trying to push you stuff that that uh, gives you a feedback loop, right? That's Correct. a doom loop, and mm-hmm. and and so. When you look at Facebook, the reason that people believe deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper the same thing is because the algorithm keeps feeding them the same thing. Right. And after You're they've seen a million it. of the same thing, they go, well, clearly this is true because that's all I've seen. <clears throat> and so, you know, it, generally, if you're a liberal, you're not seeing, you know, sort of Republican mm-hmm. views. If you're a Republican, you're not seeing Democratic views, et cetera. And, and, and that, that isn't good uh, for society, for sure, because the human brain 
wasn't meant to get that much feed of exactly the same thing all the time. Being spoon you know? fed, and what we think. Like, what it's, we a, think. Like, it's, because, it's like bias completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is. It's a problem. So, so look, I, I, I think. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. A small light fell from my thing. It's okay. That does happen. A little technical difficulty, but there's still enough light for me. So we'll yeah, survive. We're good. Um, so TikTok's interesting. So, you know, I did a movie. Uh, I, I do movies also. We didn't get into that, but that's cool. We so can I did get my it. Last let's, movie, let's get into it. My last movie was 1660 Vine. It's, not, it's done, but it's not out yet. It hasn't been released. <clears throat> and it is about influencers primarily on TikTok. Yeah. And it's about influencers eventually. Well, they come together to live together in L.A., and over time, they realize that authenticity is more important than the crap they're putting out, and that it's all that they're that they're living a fake life mm-hmm. every time the camera comes, and you get to see them behind the scenes. Now, our stars of the film are actually influencers themselves, so they have been living the influencer thing. They've been selling That's these products, and they've been getting the lights on. And, true method and acting here. Yeah. It's it is true method acting. And, living it. and and. And at the end of, you know, the film, some of them come around, not giving away too much of the ending. Some of them come around to the fact that authenticity is more important than the money that they were making from selling these products, right? It's really fascinating. It is a musical. Mm. It was originally a stage show, stage play. We turned it into uh, a feature film, and we filmed it at an apartment complex in L.A., right down the street from the actual influencer apartments. This is interesting. The word authenticity. and. I've been on my soapbox for the last couple of years, specifically on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a platform that I live on and I built my brand on. Of course. With this whole, I stand on the, on the pillars of authenticity, but I also see that authenticity could be manufactured. Not so much real authenticity, but the optics of authenticity, right? Because it's the whole concept of personal brand and portraying who you are on social media. But everyone thinks that you need to be a certain thing in a certain way based on your goals, right? Are you looking to build an online business? Are you looking to get hired? Are you looking to propel yourself as a thought leader. So authenticity is hard. And I think it comes down to credibility and really going back to something that you mentioned, which I think is a core straight, a core strength of a, of a human with high agency is, is supreme curiosity, being intellectually curious, always searching for answers to why, why did this happen? Why is this happening? How did you get there? How did you get to that point and exploring? Um, how, do, how do you define and also how do you fact check someone's authenticity? Well, that's a good question. I, I, you know, authenticity is sensed, right? Mm-hmm. We sense that you're being authentic when, and, and that is a little bit of a sixth sense, right? Nobody's sitting there going, let me give you the authenticity test. Could you right? please take these five questions for me so I could fact check your authenticity, right? <laughs> no, either you come across this authentic or, or, or you don't. Um, you mentioned curiosity, which is related, but different because I think the best entrepreneurs are simply curious. They are, you know, people ask me, how did you end up with 94 plus patents? <clears throat> and I was just curious. I'll go, huh, mm. what do you mean I can always hear through the wall in the townhome next door? Maybe I should fix that. that yeah, why can't this- I make soundproof drywall? Right. You know, why can't I make windows that are just as insulative as a wall is? Well, because you can see through them. I'm sorry. Give me the physics of why I can't make yeah, a what's, window. What's the science? And let's see if there's <clears throat> a workaround. Well, there is a workaround, of course. We invented high R value windows, put them in the Empire State Building. We did, I did soundproof drywall. Uh, that is true. It's, it's, I don't know, there's billions of dollars of that product installed around the world today. Um, invented the virtual assistant. 
People said, why'd you invent the virtual assistant in the 90s? And that got licensed to Apple for Siri, and it got licensed for Alexa. And so you use Siri today, it's based on that technology. And you go, why did you do that? Well, because I was in the car, and I wanted my email, and I'm driving. And I wanted to answer the phone and find out if I could schedule you on my calendar, but I couldn't do that because I couldn't see the calendar. But I could create a virtual assistant that could see my calendar, could see and read my email, could actually do useful things while I'm driving. That was the bottom line. So we created Mary that you could call on my behalf and she'd answer my phone first and either put your call through or say, Hmm. oh, you want to schedule on his calendar. I see your name is Chris Brown and I see you're in his context. I'd be happy to schedule on his calendar. How much time do you need? She would have that interaction with you and people would go, what is this? Is it free? They thought it was alive. Most people, they didn't really know. Didn't really we think made it, it seem yeah. alive. Um, so, so, so that was, you know, again, I was curious as to why someone hadn't done that because there was a pain point. So I wasn't ever trying to build solutions looking for a pain point. It was always the pain point trying to find a pain point first and then say, why hasn't someone solved this pain point? Is there a technical barrier? Is it, and most of the time it's mm-hmm. that no one ever bothered you know, to stop and say, we should solve that. How many windows did they put into the Empire State Building? Uh, well, it's uh, 6,556. How long did that take? Uh, we did it in under six months, and we did it um, overnight, <clears throat> every night, 26,000 panes of glass. We took the old glass out, built a factory on the fifth floor, cleaned all the old glass, and built new windows out of them. So you utilized the old glass. Was that on the exterior for aesthetics? No, it was exterior and interior. They had already put in dual pane windows about 20 years before. And um, glass can be reused, but the glass manufacturers and glass creators don't want you to know that. They'd rather have you crush it and throw it away. Glass is recyclable, right, yes. It is recyclable, but you can simply reuse it. So what did you do with all the glass? We reused the glass. Uh, what do they, what do they do? They throw it in the garbage or recycle it. But but why recycle it when you can literally take it out, clean it, and put it back in? It's glass. Nothing happens to it. <clears throat> so that's what we did. Now the cleaning process was quite sophisticated because sure. there's all this uh, glue, permanent glue on the outside on the outside edge. But we did clean it, and then what we did is we put suspended films in between and Krypton argon glass. So we created two or three chambers where there used to be one. Right, okay. which blocked the sound or limit it, yeah. Uh, th- in this case for glass, it was uh, uh, it was uh, heat, right? So heat from the outside or heat from the inside, right? You want to re- you want to increase the R and- value and 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 lower the heat transfer. So we were we were uh, improving the insulative value of the glass. And in the Empire State Building, that let everybody now sit at the outside edges of the building because the windows were now comfortable instead of cold in the winter and hot in the summer change the entire use of the building so 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 people who are like so right go back to that corner office concept so even in the empire city i've been i've been to the top but i've not been in the office structure actually i have once i don't recall so take me back so back in the day the executives wouldn't even take the corner office they would sit more interior and the yeah. and the lower level people would have the great view but they'd be freezing their asses off uh, no actually nobody <laughs> sat near the windows you kept the uh generally you kept the hallways around where the windows were. Ah, there were internal and, offices. And all the internal stuff was internal. If you had an office that looked outside, an actual office that looked outside, you would sit far from the window. You couldn't sit next to the window. It was freezing. Right? No matter what you did, it froze in the winter and hot in the summer. But but we solved that. And 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 so the walls there were, you know, call them R12-ish. 
And um, the windows were R2 when we got there, but they were R8 when we left. That was a 400% improvement wow. in the windows. And if you think of, if you want to get real nerdy on this, how did that affect the the rental lease rates oh. or the ROI on it, right? They're, where, they're pretty. Where people, where people saying, hey, I, I know the Empire State Building is a historic, beautiful building, but I'm taking my business into a brand new energy, sound, efficient right. for, for less. Um, the rents went up 30% immediately. They ultimately doubled. They took the building public on mm -hmm. the stock market uh, and the family who owns it, uh, Malkins, took it, took it public. Um, uh, and they got their money back in three years. Saved all the money. That's incredible. So, so it is possible to do. But, mm -hmm. but, but when I sat down, Tony Melkin is the owner of the building, or now the CEO of the public company. Um, and um, and and when we first sat down, it was like, well, I am not going to do this unless you show me how I earn my money back. Right. I, yes, I'm a big supporter of the environment, but how do I get my money back? And right. so we worked on a window package that would do that. And in the midst of this, you'll love this because we were reusing the glass, and we made a big deal out of that. <clears throat> rather than throwing it's it out. It's a good story, right? He had more float glass companies write to him and say, you can't reuse glass. Um, it'll fall out. People will get killed. Think bad things will happen. Wrote to his board. I said, Tony, don't listen to any of that. This is, this, they don't want the world to know you can reuse glass anytime you want. Right, right? they're selling glass. New they're glass. selling glass. <laughs> do, do not reuse glass. It's no, don't use it. Buy our new glass. Yes. So, so that was funny. And, and so these are... You know, these are the things when you invent mm -hmm. something and, and that you're disrupting someone else, they aren't going to take it lying down. Have you have you invented anything that has been where the intention has been changed and now it's not being used for good and there's really not much you can do about it? <clears throat> oh, where it's not being used yeah, for good. Yeah, curveball question here. Off the cuff. Pause, pause off the cuff think. segment. <laughs> I think that everything I've worked on is either being used or not used, but none of it is being used for bad that's that that that's right. what i can think of right you don't create bad things uh, uh yeah but but it could be i mean ai what? certainly i'm working on ai uh a lot of ai lately and uh, and some of that could end up uh being used for things that are more nefarious right do you do you think this is a real concern are we are we are the robots are we in the terminated two phase where the where the machines are going to take over soon are we are we are we literally building our own demise well First of all, machines Deep. can't take over. Right now, it's software that presents itself on your screen, and you can unplug the darn server. But so, are we at a point where we can <clears throat> train a computer to break into the nuclear the nuclear codes? <clears throat> oh, uh, no, because the nuclear In codes theory. literally, uh, yeah. Well, they literally have to be entered, you know, by a human, and they're carried in a separate briefcase and. They're, There's fail so, so, uh, I, Yeah, I mean, not only that, the you know some of the world. Us, Russia signed uh, some treaties that said we would not allow computers to automatically launch uh, these things. Remember, we've had AI from a government perspective since the 80s. You know, FBI has been doing facial recognition. I mean, mm -hmm. we have all kinds of things. It's gotten better, right? So, so we've had the ability to let computers launch uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, remember the, 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 the movie War Games, right? Oh, so yeah. we had a long time to do this, but we've decided this is a very bad idea. <clears throat> it's a bad idea. Look, as I say, do not hook ChatGPT to the nuclear arsenal. Bad idea. But also, don't hook Excel to the nuclear arsenal and let it decide through some math algorithm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't do any of that. Have people there who are in command, who are looking at all of the available data, because this is a button that when you push it, there's no return. It is a really bad thing.
So, so don't do that. And we are not making physical objects today. We're not making physical robots that can go around and kill people. Okay. Now we may be doing something. Well, I've in seen the, the armed New York. Forces si- I've seen the, yeah, I've seen some armed forces stuff. I've seen like the bot in the New York City subway. It's unarmed, but doesn't mean it can't be armed with at least a taser the, or something. The the bots are around a lot. Uh, so Nightscope is one of the mm-hmm. big uh, bot companies, and um, they're very smart. They're look. They're looking for people carrying guns. They're looking for people breaking into cars. Looking for people do doing dumb things. And it's got six cameras and sensors, and it can roll around, and it can immediately call the police. But don't arm the thing. That, that's a bad idea. So, so to date, don't let it be the me, judge, jury, and executioner. Right. AI is not going to kill you. We could have armed robots long before we had AI. By the way, you know, with very, very simple rules-based systems, mm-hmm. even in the '80s, where if you swore at it, it would shoot you. Right. So we've had that ability. We haven't done it because it's a bad idea. So as long as humans don't do, you know, hook things to in ways that could could cause real harm. This is just software running on some servers. You can unplug it. And it's just software. It can't do anything. Right. It's not going to be self-sufficient. Or could it be? Let's 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 head towards the back end of this interview on a positive <clears> note. <throat> what are some of the more encouraging uses of of artificial intelligence, machine learning for powers of good to change the planet? What are some sure, of these things wow. that optimistically, you know, we're we're heading into the end of the year. We're recording this midway through December. The show will air early in 2024. Like what are, what are, let's let's talk some alpha here, Kevin. You know, what, what are some of these really cool innovations that you're seeing out there that the average Joe and Jane are not? Yeah. So first of all, um, everything we're doing in Gen AI, let's focus on that yep. for a minute because it's the most accessible, um, is changing a lot of the tasks that we've been doing. And so people are worried about, oh, it's going to take my job. No, but it may take over some tasks. And someone and who knows how to use AI is going to take over your job. <clears throat> That's right. And I'll give you an example. You're doing this podcast, and unlike 10 years ago, today, you can literally feed in the audio recording of this and mm-hmm. get a summary from Gen AI. Mm-hmm. A, not only word by word, closed caption, but then you can summarize, and that's a task that you used to do. And I don't know if you're using machines to summarize or um, not. Right after Most, the show, it'll be spitted out within 20 minutes of us being done. Exactly. It's already set. It, yep. Including a summary. Yeah, transcript, summary, and, and, and video clips, too. Right. That's right. So based on virality would, scoring, AI virality scoring. Uh-huh. That's right. So why, that's right. So why would you do that task anymore? In fact, it's not your key task. Your key task is doing the interview. That was a painful task that used to take you hours or hire a team. And now there's a machine that does that right now. There used to be someone else who summarized you or someone else, and they're not doing that task anymore. So when you look at marketing, people who write blog posts, look, if you're coming into the workforce today and you're not using a large language model to write your blog posts, nobody's going to hire you, right? That'd be like going into a finance department and saying, but I don't use Excel. I, I do long division by hand. <laughs> They'll paper. go, get out, <laughs> get out, right? So on LLMs, ChatGPT, BARD, et cetera, are just going to be part of our everyday lives. They're mm-hmm. now built into the office, uh, you know, Microsoft Office. They're just around. We're going to use it every day. We're going to use it. Every- so a lot of the tasks you used to do, you're going to be a lot faster at. Blog post writing is now a, 10-minute exercise, mm-hmm. including editing, instead of being a two-day exercise. I can write my year's worth of blog posts now pretty much in a week, and I'm done. Mm-hmm. This is fabulous because it frees you up to do other things. Now, if you were a third-party blog post writer and that's all you did, probably you're, you've got two choices, change careers Evolve. or be so good at 
running an LLM that people come to you because you're the master of prompting and the master of editing. And, 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 tone, and tone and voice, right? Being able to That's program right. it for tone and voice. If you're, That's I right. mean, prompt engineer is going to be one of the biggest roles coming into the next few years. It is, but we're, we're also getting better at making prompting easier. And so I think you're going to see this become easier and easier so that all of us can do it. But the, the problem is not all of us want to do it. We have another job. I have another task. I can't also be the prompt engineer. So I may still go, like, I may still go to illustrators who will use generative AI to give me 20 illustrations back that they've reviewed and input and, and this and that. And tweet, but they yeah. might not actually draw themselves anymore. Very rarely. Why would they? It's, it's fascinating here. So, I mean, how do, we, how do we keep some guardrails in place? You know, what, what, are, what are these guardrails just for society? Well... Now, there's lots of rules from the White House and from Europe. Um, there are guardrails on all of the major models, but the open source ones, there are not. And mm -hmm. people are going to do nefarious things on open source, right? They just are. And, and they're already generating phishing emails mm -hmm. where you cannot possibly know that that's phishing. It's so good. Um, I warn my parents about these every single day. I'm like, check yeah. the email address that it's coming from. Even then, right. they could they could still do it, but I'm like, oh yeah, you could spoof it, right? But like, really, the first sign, just check that email address where it's coming that, from. That's a start. What? Yeah, when you when you reply and you see it has some, you know, goofy Yahoo, AOL, yeah, uh, no. dot, you know, Iran. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't go there. <clears throat> so um, so it, it, so so that's happening, no question, and that's changing the world of cybersecurity. All MFA has been hacked. And is hacked every day now for ransomware. So you think you're, that code on your phone or the thing, and you forget it. That's that's easy to hack. So there's next generation MFA company I'm working with uh, called Token Ring, and that's that, multi-factor that that. authentication for anyone out there. Yeah, right? that's right. Two FA right. MFA. Yeah. yeah. So next generation is a very very different technology where it 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 ties to your biometrics. You wear it all day. In this case, it's a ring. Mm -hmm. Put it on in the morning. It identifies you as you. You take it off. Someone steals it; it doesn't work for anyone else. It only works right, on your it's finger. Bi it's bio. It's bio driven with certain mm -hmm. metrics. Bio driven on yeah. your finger. On right, your finger. Like, yeah. And and yes, yeah, someone's going to say, but can't someone cut off your arm and slap the thing around? Yes, they could cut off your arm, but fortunately, <laughs> ransomware doesn't yeah, happen that way. That's a bigger problem if they've cut off your arm. So don't worry about that. Uh, but th but that's the level of protection we'll need. And there's no human involvement in that, if you notice. So I can't be tricked into giving you my code. Because yeah. I have no code, and and I and I and I urge everybody as well, like select yes on that. If a company is not mandating it on any of your technology, it takes an extra couple of seconds to put in those the codes on your phone. It takes it, and especially for any banking, finance, any apps like that, protect your shit. It takes well, and I, I like and, to use tokens for uh, you know for 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 crypto. I'm using Ledger. I have my own wallet, my own keys. Right, like hold on to your stuff. Yeah. Look, today for most consumers, legacy MFA is the only choice they'll have. Right. They won't have, Mainstream. they won't have, but, but, but all businesses today can use next-gen MFA because all their applications support it. Salesforce, SAP, Oracle, et cetera, et cetera, right? So right. all the big, and, and Microsoft Office, all the big enterprise applications already support next-gen MFA. The consumer side of banks and things don't yet. Um, and, and, and partly because, you're not a target for ransomware the way a company is. So someone could Bigger target fish. your bank account, try to try to withdraw the money. But but they're going after companies and then saying, I I'm going to release all your data unless you pay me a million dollars. And and they get the million. And some of these ransomwares have been 25 million and they paid. 
It's just Babe. it's just easy. But then what's it's easy money doing it again? Uh, next generation MFA is all we've got. You put next generation Evolution. MFA in, nobody's getting in your accounts. Period. <laughs> full stop. Full stop. There. So let's 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 bring it home here. What's uh, what, what are you working on? That's exciting coming up. Um, next gen MFA, yeah. I think, is big. Uh, I am working on uh, AI that uh, can uh, look at uh, building codes and look at your uh, uh, building uh, plans and say, do you meet all those seven hundred codes or not? Just that's based on the done. plans before even just a brick is pl- laid. That's right. Just based on the plans. Wow. Uh, right now, city uh, inspectors do that. Uh, uh, city code compliance officers. But but many of them are one to two years behind. So you turn in your plans. You have to wait two years for the approval. I need a machine to do that. Fascinating. Do you hear a crazy random thing that you probably already know? Um, we moved out of the city a number of years ago. And I go into the city maybe a couple of times a month. And I've noticed, like, why does every building have a scaffold around it? Why does every <clears throat> building have a scaffold? And someone told me very insightfully, it's cheaper to have a scaffold up with the appearance of constant work going than actually making the repairs on these out-of-code, out-of-dated buildings. I was like, right. Mind blown how yeah. shitty that is. It's scary. That, 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 that is true. Um, you know, look, anyone comes in and says, you got to bring this building up to code. That is, a, that is a bear. So keep some scaffolding up and say, yeah, you're working on it. It might be another 20 years, right? But you can't say I'm not working on it. So yeah. put up some scaffolding and actually just buy the scaffolding, bolt it to the side and walk away. Right. It's, it's a scary world we live in. So, so, so let's, let's bring it home here and let's end this on a, on a positive note. Kevin, what's, what's the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on daily? That's oh, the key. Oh my goodness. Uh, there's so many, right? Authenticity is really one. It's a newer word, but, but, but that's true. My dad said, uh, I'll give you one. And of course, curiosity. We've talked about that. I'm curious all the time. I read, 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 read. I can't, I can't read enough. And I don't read enough novels because hmm. I go, that's non-factual. I need to read facts. I need facts and news. But the other thing is friends do deals with friends. That's what my dad said. I'm leaving home. And he goes, look, don't forget that friends do deals with friends. And his point was, nobody's going to do a deal with you if you're mean to them, if you're their enemy, if you're, if you're seemingly on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. You're on their side of the table, which is really the core of authentic- authenticity in the first place, right? Friends do deals with friends. Enemies do deals with no one. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and Kevin, last but not least, you know, you look back on your life and absolutely incredible career journey. You're able to execute on your passions, your curiosity, but I'm sure there's been those roadblocks in those downtimes. So during those downtimes, we had to dig down deep and, and harness that tenacity that I could hear and see in your voice and the work that you've done. What pulls you up? What pulls you forward? And in the same breath, you look back now with genuine gratitude Kevin Therese, what is your compass? What is your beacon? What is your North Star in life? Yeah, um, joy. So here's the thing. When you wake up every morning, you can certainly look at your day and go, oh my God, look at these terrible things I have to deal with all day and my life is a wreck. And I, Or you can wake up and go, compared to the alternative, which is I died overnight, right? Jeez. Compared to the alternative, this is going to be an amazing day and I'm going to make the best of it that I can. And uh, and that's going to be the subject of a book or speeches I'm working on and stuff like that because, because I have great joy every day. And it's the first, I wake up and go, I am joyful. I have my lovely wife. I have my lovely family. I have a house. I have, I mean, I have so much. And I, I could be in the middle of Sub Saharan Africa and have nothing or have not woken up at all. So you got to look at it that way. It's always a great day when your eyes open and you're alive and you get to live out today in a whole new way. 
I love and it. make your way. And you you own the day. Go for it. I absolutely love. Oh, that's not the button I wanted to hit. I wanted to hit my my what, Christmas. What? No, that's a good one there. Um, but I love it. And the one that I love, just putting on top of that, we've we've all survived. If we're here right now, we've survived a hundred percent of our bad days, right? Yeah, and we're, and we're here to live it so far. Um, Kevin, this is fascinating. I like. I is there Kevin Corp? Can I invest in Kevin? And <laughs> when you're, I mean, I would I would I would buy right into that. But Kevin, I want to thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. We could certainly keep this going for hours on so many tangents. And the the best part. Me as a podcast host is I went completely pretty much off script on this one. I knew kind of some things I wanted to get to, but I went with my curiosity and I went and I made right turns. I made left turns. I didn't follow my standard flow, but I got to everything I wanted to. And I think I brought out the best of you for our audience right now. Um, more information on Kevin. You can follow him on LinkedIn and definitely check him out for your next uh, event. He's an incredible keynote speaker. Where else could folks connect with you? Where could they learn more? It is KevinSerace.com. 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 Easy Kevin, peasy. Easy peasy. Kevin, hang with me one moment here. Thank you so much for your time. This has been a lot of fun. I think, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you back on maybe in like 50, 60 episodes and 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 do a touch base and see what other tangents we could go down here. But everyone out there, if you found this episode interesting, informative, please leave a review rating. It goes a long way. You know where to find out more at thepodcast.com. Check out our new improved website with all past episodes, social media. You know where to find us at NHP Talent. Remember, take care of yourself. Be good to yourself. Be better to others. And catch us next week for another great episode of The Podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon. Jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.